want gifts lying inside your life waiting to be released. Amen? And uh, just, uh, I've been away a week, been up in Taiwan, and uh, met all kinds of people, prayed for all kinds of people, prophesied also all kinds of people, prophesied over the, the incoming mayor of Taiwan, prophesied over the leading bankers and top businessmen there, over models and TV stars and TV producers and all kinds of people. It's quite an unusual visit this time. And uh, God opened the door to bring great encouragement to people that we've built relationship with there. But just great to be back again. Yesterday we were in Hamilton and we had a conference up there and drove back in the morning. And uh, I just love being here, love being in the presence of God. Amen? I want to carry on where I last, remember last time I spoke, I shared about the priesthood of believers, the priesthood of believers, and I want to continue that on, and we just pick up with a key verse, and then uh, I want to carry on. Today, I want to speak about carrying the presence of God, and uh, last time, remember, I spoke about the priesthood of believers. We'll just pick it up in 1 Peter chapter 2. I encourage you to read your Bible. I encourage you to become familiar, not only with the New Testament, but the Old Testament. The Old Testament contains many pictures of things God wants us to understand, which is spiritual in nature. So whenever you read the Old Testament, you need to be looking for Jesus Christ, and you need to be looking for insights to how God wants us to live our life. And what I'm going to do is open up for you something that's very simple, it's very practical, yet it's quite profound. In 1 Peter 2 and verse 5, it says, you as living stones are being built up a spiritual house. So there's a picture. You are a spiritual house. God is building your life, and you work with him to build your spiritual life with him. Uh, You are a spiritual house. God lives within you like he lived in the temple in the Old Testament. But then it uses another picture. It says, you are a holy priesthood called to offer up spiritual sacrifices. So now he puts out another picture of who you are that just as the, old, the priests in the Old Testament offered sacrifices, you and I are called to offer spiritual sacrifices. And uh, as we look down in verse 9, it says, You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. So God uses pictures of significant people in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the people that were very important in the nation, one was the king. The king was very important. A second one that was very important was the priest. The priest was very important as well. And each of them had distinct roles. In the Old Testament, only one person could be the king, only one person could be the high priest, although there were many priests who worked with them. Now, in the New Testament, the Bible says that when you got born again, you are born into a royal family. So you have royal blood. You're not some nobody from nowhere. You now, because of being connected to Jesus Christ, you are part of a royal family, a ruling family. And you are called, the Bible says in in, in Revelation chapter 5, it says God has made us. Not something's going to happen in the future. He has made us kings and priests to our God. A king is someone who rules. That's a picture of the power of God manifest in your life day by day. A priest is someone who offers sacrifices to God. That speaks of the presence of God and learning how to come into his presence. Presence and power. So God wants you to carry his presence. He wants you to manifest his power. He wants you to act as a priest 
learning how to engage him, access his presence, and carry his presence. He wants you to act as a king, learning how to bring his power into life. Very, very simple pictures, aren't they? Now, I want you to read in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, and another, Paul describes it quite clearly, what it would look like. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14. Now, thanks be to God who always, 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 not sometimes, always, always two things. And you'll see here the ministry of the king, ministry of the priest. Thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph in Christ. And that word triumph uh, to the Jews, it meant a picture of a Roman general returning triumphantly from battle, having defeated all his enemies, having them in chains behind him, and everyone shouting and, and acclaiming his victory. And so the Bible says of you, now thanks be to God, who always causes or leads you to victory in life. In other words, to greatly triumph so that day after day, whatever life throws at you, whatever you face, you win in Christ. That's a fantastic promise to us. My observation is the majority of Christians don't win, they're defeated. They live subject to fears, subject to stress, they live subject to sickness, subject to oppression, subject to anxiety, and they don't live a life of victory as Jesus intended. So in other words, what we're experiencing is less than what God says is possible for you. This is God's plan for every one of us, that you would thank Him all the time, because no matter what you face, God Himself will cause you and enable you and empower you to always win at the end of it. Even if it looks like you're defeated, it's only temporary. You will come out winning. And so I want to share in the second part of the series on functioning as a king. A king is a person who has a territory to rule over. You have a territory to rule over. I want to show you how to do it. So the notice the second part of it is, and causes us to manifest the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. That's the ministry of the priest, the fragrance of his knowledge. In other words, what it's saying is that every place you go, God wants you to learn how to win and bring his power into that place. He wants you to learn how to carry his presence. So when you are there, people know there's something different about you. They may not know what it is, but it's the reality of God's presence operating through your life. That's God's plan for you. A priest and a king. Priest bringing the presence of God, a king releasing the power of God. My observation is that many believers either don't know what to do or just fail to do what they're called to do. And Christ is not represented well. Our community desperately needs people who will carry the presence of God and minister his power to heal the sick, set the captives free, and break the chains that people are in. You are called to do that. You are called to do that. You are called to do that. The question then is, how do we do it? So I want to focus on the function of the priest. Last time I spoke, I shared that one of the roles of the priest was to offer spiritual sacrifices, and we shared with you exactly what that is and how you do it. And I was going to move on to the next one, and the Lord just dropped into my heart a second aspect of the priesthood, and this was what a second role was. The priests were to carry the ark. Now, those of you who don't know the Old Testament, don't worry. I'll explain it very carefully in just a moment. 
So the priests were to carry the presence of God. I want us to look in the Old Testament. Uh, No, look in Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. Now, remember, the Bible uses symbolic language, but what it's pointing to is what we can experience in Christ. So whenever you're looking at the symbolic language, you've got to keep thinking, how does this represent Jesus and what Jesus has done and how I live with him? So in Hebrews chapter 9, and uh, this is comparing the old covenant and the new covenant, and it says in the first covenant, verse 1, there are lots of ordinances of service and an earthly sanctuary. For a tabernacle was prepared. In other words, in the Old Testament, God commanded Moses to make a tent called a tabernacle in which were three rooms, an outer court, a holy place, a holy of holies, and God's presence would live in the holiest of holies. Now, all of that has been replaced. You are the house of God, and the Spirit of God lives in you. So it was symbolic of a reality, God in you. In the Old Testament, God in a tent. You want to meet God, go to the tent. Now, God is in you, want to meet God, and God is in you. Not out there, God in you, Christ in you. Okay, then, now, what else did it tell us there? And it says, uh, uh, talks about various things. I'm not going to go into them. I want to go in the holiest of holies in verse 3, which had the golden sense of the Ark of the Covenant, overlaid on all sides with gold, in which were the golden pot that had manna, Aaron's rod that budded, and the tablets of the covenant, and above it were cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. Okay, so basically, very, very simply this. I'll just go look into the Old Testament, and I'll find it for you there in Exodus chapter 25. It's described now that the Ark of the Covenant was a box overlaid with gold, and inside it, there were some things. There was a pot of manna. That was a little pot which contained bread that fell from heaven and fed the children of Israel in the wilderness. Secondly, there was Aaron's rod that budded. Aaron was chosen to be the high priest. And he, was a, he had a rod with his name on it. And God called the dead rod to bud, demonstrating this is the one God has chosen. The third thing it contained were the tablets of the covenant. In other words, the law of Moses. And all this is found in Exodus chapter 25. And in Exodus 25, this is what God says. He says, I will meet you at the Ark of the Covenant. That's where I'll meet you. In other words, he's saying, I will commune with you. I'll engage with you, talk with you. I will love you. I will express who I am to you. I will reveal myself to you. And so uh, what would happen is uh, uh, the high priest would enter in and he would come in to where the Ark of the Covenant was and the presence of God, the shimmering glory of God would appear. He would actually see God or representation of God. He would see the shimmering glory of God and it would appear above the mercy seat just on top of the Ark of the Covenant. Now, what you need to understand is this is symbolic language, but it was a real experience. In the Old Testament, when the high priest went in, he would come into the ark, and when he would stand there, there was a golden box, and there were cherubim surrounding it like that with their arms or their wings outstretched inside the box. There were the, 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 the bread, and there were the, the Aaron's rod, and there were the, the Ten Commandments. And as he would come there, the Shekinah glory of God, God's glory would begin to shine and light the whole place up. And he would encounter the reality of God, and God would talk with him. It was a meeting place with God. That's the Old Testament. Now, everything about the Ark of the Covenant 
is a picture or representation of Jesus Christ. If you want to meet with God, you must come to Jesus Christ. Let me just give you some uh, illustrations from this, that every aspect of that Ark of the Covenant, you know, uh, some of you may have seen uh, the, uh, the, the Indiana Jones movie about the, uh, the, the lost Ark, you know, and so you would have seen what it looked like. But, uh, the, and then they opened it up and, of course, they all died, which is a little bit from the Bible. It happened there, actually. But this is what happened. The, the Ark literally was a box. Now notice it was made of wood covered with gold, and that's a picture of Jesus Christ, his humanity and his divinity. Wood, his humanity, uh, gold, his divinity. Jesus Christ was God and man together. Second thing, it says there was a mercy seat. Mercy seat was a plate of gold, and blood was sprinkled on the mercy seat, and that was the place they met with God. Now, the Bible says in Romans chapter 3 and verse 25, now God has made Jesus our mercy seat. So in the Old Testament, if the priest wanted to meet God, he went to the mercy seat with blood. In the New Testament, Jesus is our mercy seat. God has made him that. So if you want to meet with God, you must come to Jesus Christ. You must, he is the mercy seat of God. He is the Ark of the Covenant. Here's a couple of other things. Inside with a pot of manna, uh, which was the bread that fell in the wilderness, and they gathered up and put some in a pot. But the Bible says Jesus came and he said, in the Old Testament, uh, Moses got manna from heaven, but he said, I am the bread of life. I am the true bread. I'm the only one who can feed your soul. You want the manna of heaven? You need to come to me. Encounters with me will feed you on eternal and spiritual realities. Uh, they notice the, the third thing that was there with the tablets of the commandment in John 1, 14. Uh, Jesus said, and the Bible says that Jesus was the word, that's the commandments of God, made flesh. In other words, when you see Jesus, he's called the word of God. In the Old Testament, they had tables of stone. In the New Testament, Jesus is the living embodiment of God's words. You met at the ark, you met Jesus. You meet now with God, you have to come via Jesus. The third thing that was in there was Aaron's rod that budded. Aaron's rod was a staff which he had his name on it. It represented the tribe of Levi. And what happened was there was a rebellion and there was a contention for the role of high priest. And so God said, well, everyone who thinks they're a starter, come and put your rod out and put it in the, in the, in the tabernacle. And the one that buds, now you know if you cut off a tree and cut off a branch or you have a rod, a dead rod, you can't produce any buds on a dead rod. Just try it. You get a broomstick, put it in the ground, see if you can get it to bud. It ain't going to happen. And so what happened was this, is they all put their broomsticks in there, and when the, the, day, the next day came, there was one of them and this dead broomstick, and it's got buds and leaves and everything. The whole thing's just flourishing. And it's God showing supernaturally how he can resurrect dead things to life. And by that dead thing coming to life, God says, that's the one I've chosen. So Jesus Christ was recognized to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead. So all other people who claim to be someone that someone should follow, they are dead sticks. But there is one stick, one rod, the rod of God, which flourished and came to life with resurrection power. So every aspect of the ark of God is symbolic of Jesus Christ and the centrality of Jesus Christ. The whole of the nation of Israel camped with the ark at the very, very center. Jesus is to be at the very, very center of our lives, very, very center of our encounters and our walk with God. 
Absolutely wonderful. It's brilliant pictures, you see. And the Bible's full of this. You just got to know how to look into it. Now, the next thing I want to share is that the interesting thing about the ark was that only one group of people were enabled to carry the ark, and that were the priests. It was the priest's responsibility to carry the ark. 1 Chronicles, uh, we look in chapter 15. 1 Chronicles chapter 15. Now, there's a couple of references to this. The first one is when they crossed into the promised land. You remember how they crossed into the promised land or the land of promise? The priests carried the ark, and they stood in the river Jordan, and the waters ran back, and everyone walked over. In other words, God revealing his power over sin right back to Adam. The Ark of the Covenant was the central part of the whole uh, governance and uh, the whole nation of Israel. So notice here in 1, Corinthians, uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 15, and David is bringing the Ark into the city. Now, this is his second round at it. The first time he tried it in 1 Chronicles chapter 13, they decided they would do this. They would have a new cart. And this was a great idea. I know what we can do to change our city. We just need a great new idea. And so they had a great new idea. It was a good idea. It was a new cart. In other words, no one ever used it before. It was brand new. And they popped the ark on the cart. And everyone started to dance and celebrate. And they're all rejoicing. And then the ark began to, uh, as they went over some bumps, it began to wobble. And so one of the guys sitting on there thought, I know what I'll do. I'll grab it. So he grabbed it to steady it. He meant well. And zoop, he's dead. Just like that. Whoa. Now that stopped the party. It always stops the party if someone dies. And so, you imagine the whole nation's out there. They're all having a celebration and now they die. And suddenly the fear of God falls on them all. David's very angry. He had good intentions, but he didn't follow God's protocol. You can have many good intentions, but God has a way of doing things. It's called following the leading of the Holy Spirit. Very simple. God puts his spirit in you to lead you. Now, you might have your bright ideas, but it's another new cart. And it brings death, not life. You might have great ideas how you can change this and change that and do this and do this. But what is the Holy Ghost saying? What is the spirit of God saying? Is he leading you into this? Is he guiding you into this? Is this a God idea or another good idea? Our nation's had enough good ideas and new carts. People are trotting out new carts all the time. But where is the presence of God? Where is the power of God to touch lives? And so David had a bit of a sulk. Then he went away and he began to pray. And then he comes back in and, and, and 1 Chronicles 15 and he said, here's what the problem is. God told me why nothing happened. He said, we didn't do things God's way. When you don't do God, things God's way, you don't get God's results. You get something else. Doing things God's way means we're aligned with the presence of God and the kingdom of God. We've learned how to do it His way. People have all kinds of ideas about how to worship, all kinds of ideas how to do this and do that, and it's all about my way, which for most instances is another new cart. It does not bring the reality of God. And this is what he said, it's the role of the priests to carry the ark. So they burned up and got rid of the old new cart, and now they've got the priest carrying it just like God said. Now notice this, it took four priests to carry the ark. It had to be carried. Here's what that is a picture of. Priests are responsible to bring the presence of God wherever they go. It's your responsibility to bring God into your household, to bring God into your workplace, 
God into the community. There's no great new idea is going to do it. There's no substitute for the presence of God. God wants you to bring his presence into wherever you are. That's why Jesus said, I will give you power. After the Holy Ghost has come on, you shall receive power and you shall be witnesses to me. In other words, you carry my presence into the community. It's always been God's way. Notice another thing, you couldn't, one person couldn't carry the ark. One person just couldn't carry it. One is too heavy, and two, and two God says it's got to be done by four. So it took four people carrying the ark. And that's a picture for us that we need to move in unity. You have to walk in unity with other priests. In other words, God wants us to be part of a body of people, connected to a body of people, in unity with a body of people, where the presence of God is manifest, and we go out as individuals carrying His presence to the community. Oh, isn't it great? Isn't it good? Isn't it good? No one person has it all. How about that? In other words, if you wanted to bring the presence of God, you needed other people to be walking with you. If we want to see God moving in the community, it's never going to be up to one person. It's up to a body of people walking together in the same spirit with a heart for God's presence to come and touch lives. Any idea? These, the pictures are very, very clear, aren't they? Just need to know, have eyes to have a look for it. So that's what they had to do. They had to carry, they had to shoulder responsibility. That's God's way. Now, the, now, so let's have a look at two other aspects. Now, why don't you have a look with me in Leviticus chapter 16. And I want to answer two questions. How can I enter and experience the presence of God? And how can I manifest or release the presence of God around me? So let's have a look at the first question found in Leviticus chapter 16. Leviticus 16. And so remember, when you're looking at the old, it's before the cross, and it always points to Jesus Christ and his work. So in Leviticus chapter 16 and verse 11, Aaron shall take the bull of the sin offering for himself to make atonement for himself. Kill the bull as a sin offering. He shall take a, notice this, he'll take a censer full of burning coals of fire from the altar. He'll take his hands full of sweet incense, beaten fine. He put the incense on the fire before the Lord, that the cloud of incense may cover the mercy seat, that he lest he die. And he brings some of the blood and sprinkle it on the, with his finger on the mercy seat on the east side. And before the mercy seat... He'll sprinkle the blood. Now notice what the priest was required to do. There were three requirements that were made. Here's the three requirements. Number one, he had to bring blood. If you want to access the presence of God, there is only one way you come. It's by the blood of Jesus Christ addressing your sins and failures, making it possible for you to be clean without any condemnation come into the presence of God. It's amazing. If I want to step into the presence of God, then I need to come very simply. I come by the blood Jesus shed for me. I come without condemnation. If I've sinned, I confess them and he will forgive me and cleanse me. I come only because Jesus made it possible. We very easily shift and we tend to think that coming into God depends on what I did today or didn't do, whether I did right or wrong or was good or bad. We shift. It's about our performance rather than what Jesus did. You come and access God because of what Jesus did on your behalf. And you can do that anytime, anywhere, any place. The Old Testament, there was one man once a year. Now it's everyone, anytime. That's got to be good. In the Old Testament, the blood was a bull. In the New Testament, now Jesus made one offering, and that one offering satisfies everything. By that offering, 
Every failure is forgiven. Every sin broken. The power of sin broken. The curse is broken. Freedom given to us. Freedom to come into the presence of God anytime we want. Notice there were, there were two other things that the priest had to bring. He had to come with his hands full. That speaks of not holding back and being half-hearted. If I have my hands full, I can't carry any more. I'm giving my best. If my hands are full, whatever they're full of, then I'm giving all I can. Okay? And it speaks of being wholehearted. He came with his hands full of incense. The Bible says that incense, the pre- in Revelations, it talks about the incense being the prayers of the saints. In other words, if you want to come into the presence of God, come full of worship, full of gratitude, full of thanksgiving. And you notice the way he did this was very simple. He would come and he would get the censer, which had hot fire in it, and he would throw the, the, the incense on. I remember doing this when I was an altar boy. And they'd just put a little bit of incense on this little charcoal thing and smoke would come up and they'd wave the smoke around. I had no idea what it was all about, but now I understand completely. That was an Old Testament picture. Now, what you've got to realize, it wasn't just a little wee bit of coal and it wasn't just a little bit of incense. The, the priest, full of incense, and he's got a fire blazing there. And he throws the, the incense on the fire and billows of smoke. And then suddenly the glory would manifest in that incense. It would, you ever had, a, had smoke and shone a laser light across it, how it lights up? That's how they get the thing to work. So you can imagine this. He would put the incense and it would fill the space between the cherubim with smoke. And as he did that, God would shine into it. And suddenly he would see the representation of God, and God would begin to speak to him. That is the heavenly pattern. You notice also that there were angels surrounding that mercy seat. So here's how he came in. He would come in. He would carry blood. He would give his very best. And so the incense is your worship, your thanksgiving, your gratitude. And the fire speaks of the Holy Spirit. See, that fire was lit by God, so therefore it's not a natural fire. It was the fire of God fell on the altar that started this fire. The priest's job is to keep it going. So your job is to keep passion alive in your spirit. Keep your first love. Keep alive in the Holy Ghost. Keep prayed up in the spirit in the Holy Ghost. That's your job. Don't let the fire go out. Have you let your fire go out? Did you let someone steal your joy? Someone steal your peace? Did you let the fire of passion for Christ go out? Then you need the blood. Repent and come back and start to build again in prayer and let passion and fire build in your life again. You know, I have noticed that two minutes of wholehearted praise will bring the presence of God. An hour of half-hearted praise will bring nothing except makes you tired. God comes on hands full. Don't come into the presence of God with nothing. Come with something. Always come with something. That's why we take up our offering. We're coming with something that represents our life. It's only symbolic. A tithe is just symbolic. Uh, we owe God everything. You any idea? So how do I come into the presence of God? It's really simple. It's like a, it's like a three steps. Very, very simple. I just, first of all, come. Other, I just thank you for the blood. And if there's anything I've done wrong or failed in, I just ask God's forgiveness and cleansing right now. And I just come into your presence and I thank you and I bless you. And you speak in tongues because when you speak in tongues, you are thanking God and blessing God. You're filling the atmosphere with incense. 
That's why we come into the presence of God. We start off singing and worshiping. Why? Because that's God's way of accessing His presence. Come with gratitude. Make Him bigger through your thanksgiving. So come and hold I let the Spirit rise up. I let my fire rise up inside. I give Him an offering. And then I meditate and expect God to come and meet with me and become conscious of His presence. It's so simple. It's not hard. It's very easy. God's made it possible for all of us to access his presence. Now, what you need to understand is that there are many levels of the presence of God. Many different levels. I wonder what you have settled for. You say, there are many levels of the presence of God. Now, I've, I'll just list them quickly for you. One is where you feel his peace. That's the presence of God. Have you had a time when you sort of felt peaceful come over? Peace, peace just come over you. If I just release it now, Lord, I just release your peace. You just come upon the house now. And then you just feel a quietness come and a peace. See, when you feel the peace of God, when you feel loved by God, you feel his love. How many have come into a meeting and you felt loved by God? That's a manifestation of his presence powerful. Love changes us. Sometimes you come and you feel this incredible joy in his presence, his fullness of joy. But there's other ways we can experience him too. We can, be, we can have dreams and visions and we experience God. We can hear the voice of God and we experience him. See, we can experience him with a, a trance where we have an open vision and God shows us things. We can experience him by being caught up to heaven itself and we have encounters with God and see the realities of the spirit world. So there are many levels of experience of God. Why have you settled where you are when there's much more? You can only give to others what you have experienced. So if you've experienced the immense love of God personally, you can love people and there's something of the savor of God in your life. People feel loved. Uh, when you have peace in your heart and the peace of God rests in your life, when you come near people, they feel there's a peace and a calming influence. See? So we need more of God's presence in our life. Of all the things I want in a meeting, I want to experience God's presence. If there's anything frustrates me, it's knowing there's more and I'm not getting more. Or being in a meeting and finding people have just half-hearted and they're living defeated by something. And so there's no joy and life and enthusiasm to give something to God. Their offering is only a handful rather than two handsful. How we need to love God, enjoy Him. And see, now you're called to carry His presence in the community. You can't bring something you don't have. Imagine on, you've got this thing on your shoulders and people look and they say, what are you carrying? It's just a dead stick. That's religion, just a dead stick. We're called to carry the presence of God. And how do you release the presence of God? Well, there's a whole number of ways you can do that too. Let me give you them very simply. How do you release the presence of God? Now, this is so simple, you've overlooked it. Love people. 
love them. Don't judge them. Love them. No matter they look, they're really bad and they've got, they're broken and they're damaged. Love them. When, people, when you love people, they feel God. Love them with your words. Love them with kind actions. But excel in everything, loving people. Make them welcome. Hug them. Smile at people. In any way you can express love, let love flow. That's number one way that you bring God to people. Love them. People want to be loved. I feel this love coming now. It's a very strong presence. See, that's the presence of God. Love people. See? Love people. Be joyful. That brings God's presence. You know, joyful people are nice to be around. They're attractive. They carry the fragrance of Jesus, who's a very joyful person. Stay at peace. Don't get up tight and tense and wound up and angry. Stay at peace in your because you can bring peace. The disciples were to bring peace in the household. So you can carry peace. If you're at peace, when other people are in turmoil, you bring God to them. These are the most simple, obvious ways we can all do that. But you can't bring something you don't have. If you're not at peace, you can't bring peace. If you're not dwelling in the love of God, you can't bring the love of God. You can bring a substitute and you can't. You try hard, but there's a hidden agenda. How do we bring the presence of God to people? Why don't you pray for them? Because when you pray for them and move in the gifts of the Spirit, the presence of God manifests. Pray for people. Offer to pray. Can I pray for you? And, and believe that as you pray, God's supernatural presence will come and touch them. Maybe not the way you thought or, the, or, or like you thought, but God touches them. These are ways we can bring the presence of God. There's other ways you can bring the presence of God. Another way is that you learn how to arise in the Spirit and speak and take dominion over spirits and release God's blessing into circumstances. That's the ministry of a king. And the ministry of the king and the priest overlap in that area. I'm going to sh- that's why I want to focus on next. But see, how amazing. You know, when love is tangible, when you love people, I feel it. Lord, I release your love into this house right now. Lord, I thank you. Each person is precious to you. Just where you sit, open your heart and let God touch you. You are precious to God. It doesn't matter whether you've messed up your life. It doesn't change your value to God. You are precious. You are loved. You are valuable to Him. He wants to come and hug you and let you know you're His child. He wants you to enjoy His presence. The book that Lynette wrote is a book about experiencing God and just learning how to receive His love. Jesus I thank you, you are here. I'm asking that you would impart more of your love, more of your presence into the house, that this place would be filled with glory, and that as a people, we would love our community. 
we would love the people around us. Love our children, love our spouse. So the last key that's very important to carrying the presence of God is to keep sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve Him by bad attitudes. And if you do, put it right quickly. Lord, I release your presence right now. Just touch people. Touch people. Touch people deeply with your love. I release your presence. Have you ever sat alone in the presence of God or in a corporate meeting and can feel just like God is here with me? You feel the love and you feel the tears just flow from your cheeks. I'm loved. I'm valuable. God cares. He's my friend. And then you become grateful. Jesus, thank you. I am so grateful. I thank you for wonderful people in Bay City, faithful people, loyal people, people who have walked through difficulties, that have walked through intense spiritual warfare and not failed or given up, but remained on course. I thank you for each one. How precious you are to God. I thank you for people in this church who have served over many years, who have just given what they could, even if it was little, but remain true and faithful. I thank you, Lord. I thank you for those who have poured out their lives to serve others, have many times been criticized, rejected, spoken against, slandered, but stayed firm and true. Thank you for such wonderful people that carry your presence. I pray that each person here would grow in the love of God and the knowledge of God and the grace to minister to our community. Freely you've received. Freely give. And just before we finish, why don't you just get to turn to someone near to you and ask God to give you words of encouragement for them. If you can flow in prophecy, then bring an encouragement. Bring something to bless them, not tell them what to do, just to affirm you are of value. That is what God's message to us is. We're of value. And God is looking for priests who know how to enter his presence with spiritual sacrifice and how to carry his presence to others. Are you such a person? Why don't you start right now?